0: You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical.
1: Hey Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? Fantastic. Tis the season. I love it. The holly jolly season, right? It is. A little fresh snow outside, a little here. Oh. Nice. Nice. We just got a whole bunch of dead grass and gray going on here in Lansing, but about par for the course for us. No shoveling, though. Today's episode should be timely because we are going to talk about um, the season as far as it's concerned with investing and uh, something that we joke about often it's called the uh, Santa Claus rally, right?
0: The Santa Claus rally is what happens when you've been a good investor all year. <laughs> <Yeah>. Santa Claus <laughs> rewards you by
1: you go. goosing market returns up a little bit right around Christmas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I always kind of figured it was just because you know everybody's out there spending money they don't have, and uh, yeah. the, the U.S. economy—we just spend through this, right? Didn't we prove that this summer that you can just spend yourself out of a recession and into a market yeah, rally? Yeah, yeah. Just buy some
0: Taylor Swift tickets and uh, <laughs> got the economy going. We we'll bring this up in the context of the Santa Claus rally, but the Santa Claus rally itself isn't really even necessarily a thing as far as uh, as far as market seasonality goes. I say that, but I guarantee sometime this week we will get a, We will see a headline in a major news source talking about whether we're going to have a Santa Claus rally this year or not.
1: It's not necessarily a thing, but that doesn't mean they can't uh, make a headline and an article out of it, right? <laughs> and the whole concept is that it brings up some
0: ideas around patterns and market seasonality. And mm-hmm. a better known one, and one we can analyze a little bit better, is the January effect. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a bunch of these things. The Santa Claus rally is one. There's the old adage, you know, sell in May and go away, you know, till till November. You know, these ideas that you can just look at the calendar and figure out when you should invest. If it was only that easy. <laughs> right. And, then, you know, the, the, so in, in this way, the Santa Claus Rally is a good example because nobody really defines it very well. And so you can like, is it the, is it the couple days before Christmas, after Christmas? Is it the whole week? Is it like the second half of December? Depending on how you parse that, you can get very different results and nobody's ever really agreed on it. And it's so basically, it's like any time the market is up, any time around Christmas, we call it the Santa Claus rally. It's very meaningless in terms of like trying to time your investments. But the January effect, I think, is one we can talk about a little bit more because there's some statistics around it. And January is a defined thing, right? We We know January 1 through January 31st. Yeah. And so looking at statistics for... Like 1929 to 1999, so 70 years, large company stocks averaged a 1.7 positive return for the month of January, and mm-hmm. small company stocks averaged a 2.9% average return over those years in the month wow. of January. That's like big time outperformance compared to the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second part to consider is what's happened since 1999. Mm-hmm. And so, since 1999, large caps have been slightly negative in the month of January, just slightly, 0.3% negative. And large company stocks are up, but only like a fraction of a percent, about one-tenth of a percent during the month of January. Mm -hmm. So, So, here we have this, what looks like a very robust pattern right going for almost 70 years with with some pretty impressive numbers that people could look at and say okay i want to invest in january because that's when that's when there's the best returns to be made and then we see it dissipate so what so the you know the first question is so what what has changed in the month of january or what what was causing the rally before in the month of january that's no longer there is there something we can We can point to, and nobody, have you ever seen anything that says, hey, the month of January is a, is a good time to invest because of these specific reasons? No, I haven't. I haven't, you know, compared to February or March or April, if we can't point to what the cause is, we can't very well point to what changed, right? In the last 25 years, it's it's erased that advantage. And so like one thing that comes to my mind when we think about these numbers is a lot of times you can have like random events that skew things one way or the other. Like in a couple of years of a big time outperformance in a month means that those averages are different. And probably the best example of that is we can look at October, which is typically a lousy, one of the second. It's the worst month in the calendar historically, but that's when the 1929 crash, the 1989 crash. Mm-hmm. September's uh, historically the second worst month. That's nine eleven, and some of these, some of these like big outliers can move those numbers. Right, right. They don't have anything to do with that month. And it's not like mm-hmm. you can look at it and say, "Well, bad, bad geopolitical things always happen in October." Well, not necessarily. Right. <laughs> Just you know, two two big things happen in October, and all of a sudden the rest of the century is is kind of skewed. So there's that. And then, you know, the other more likely reason why we see these changes are one of my favorite words in the investment dictionary is arbitrage. Ah, yeah. I was always going to get born to arbitrage tattooed on my arm, but right, right next to my uh, right next to my Lehman Brothers died for your sins tattoo. <laughs> I love it. But uh, the idea with arbitrage is that once investors see a pattern, that pattern starts to dissipate, right? Right. Yeah, so explain what, how that works. So what are you going to do as a, If I tell you that the market always goes up, like start the rally, let's say the January effect starts on the first business day of January and goes to the end of the month, what are you going to do?
1: Well, I don't want any FOMO, so I'm probably going to get on, in on December 31st right. or the 30th when the market's right. open. <laughs> right, right. So you're going, to, you're going to
0: try to get in before January to take advantage right. of the January yep. effect. And... What happens when a large group of people start buying stocks altogether? Prices go up. up. <laughs> and so what happens to a calendar effect when everybody realizes January is the month to be in and they start buying in in December? Keeps getting earlier. <laughs> the price goes up in December instead of January. Yeah, you know? right. And so what we see over time is that when, you get a rec- when people think they recognize that kind of pattern, it tends to go away. Mm-hmm. time. And that's mm-hmm. true whether we're talking about particular kind of stocks that do well or calendar effects or, you know, these, these things that you can, if you can recognize a pattern and you're not the only one that sees it, it's not going to last long. Momentum trading, there's lots of different technical strategies around chart format and like chart actions and such that try to take advantage of these patterns. And every time, once those patterns get recognized, they tend to,
1: tend to go let's talk a little bit about patterns themselves dave um, because as humans we're kind of uh predisposed to look for something like a pattern right
0: it's it's like burned in our brain to be able to like rational it's part of i, th- I think like this idea that we can rationalize what's happened right, right. is yeah. is we, we can look back at anything and it looks obvious and that the data was all there and if we just right. looked, it looked hard enough beforehand we'd have seen it right yeah exactly should have known all along <laughs> <laughs> well you know we, we look at the stars and we see ships and
1: rockets and yeah cavemen with clubs so the minute you go to school right they're teaching you how to you know form patterns or recognize patterns right <laughs> I mean, what color comes next if if yeah. we have these four sequences yep that's it's kindergarten
0: first grade stuff but does that cause the next action not necessarily, right, right? If A, B C repeats in the market, it doesn't mean that A is going to be next, just because C came before it, necessarily yeah, Dr. Uh, Daniel Crosby, who wrote uh, one of our favorite books, uh, the behavioral I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, behavioral investor, I get all my behavioral finance books mixed up sometimes, um, had had a four part test for for what an actionable kind of pattern would be. I think it's I think it's pretty relevant here. The the first one is there must be something that's statistically relevant or observable. And so like the January effect would count for that. We could we could look at the 1929 to 1979 data and see a bump in stock returns. Right. But the second test is that it must be rational. My favorite example of a pattern that you can see that has no real causal effect on the stock market is the old Bangladeshi butter story. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And so if you look at the Bangladeshi butter production, Uh it is positively correlated with increases in the U.S. stock market. Wow. So if you see Bangladeshi cows are churning out more butter at their dairy farms, the the U.S. stock market goes up shortly after. And it's wow. it's eerie. The charts are... It's... it's, it's <laughs> eerie, right? But there's no, there's no link there. There's no causality to that. And if I said, you know, Nick, I'm raising money for a hedge fund. Uh-huh. And we're going to invest in the U.S. market every time we see a blip up in Bangladeshi butter production. Are you going to take me seriously? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> like the January effect, right? We can't find any... Like rational theory that explains that. There's no causal connection between Mm -hmm. why stocks would be up in January as opposed to February, March, April, and the rest of the year. So so it kind of fails that test. The third test deals with that arbitrage idea. So if you've got Mm -hmm. something that's statistically relevant Mm -hmm. and there's a theory behind it that makes sense, it's rational. The third test is it's got to be difficult for people to overcome that there has to be some barrier to entry. Right? Okay. Yeah. And what Crosby's getting at there is usually there's something psychologically hard about it. And yeah. the best example, like like there's nothing that prevents you from buying in December instead of January, right? There's no right. like if you if you if you've got money you want to invest, it's not any harder theoretically. I mean there may be physical, I don't know what you're doing at the day between Christmas and New Year's. (laughs) There's probably, there's really nothing if you're motivated to like cause you to not be able to sit down at the computer and pull the trigger. Like a good example of this is value investing. So value stocks have a statistically relevant outperformance over time compared to growth stocks, value stocks being stocks where their earnings are relatively high compared to their stock price. They traded what we call low earnings per share. That means they're usually stocks that have had some kind of trouble, right? Yeah. A lot of the time. They're either boring. Right. Or they've they've had some kind of internal trouble with the company that's caused their stock price to drop, but may not affect their earnings. But the perception is maybe you don't want to want to buy those companies right now.
1: My favorite example of that is uh Martha Stewart stock back when she was uh getting pinched for insider trading and ended up uh going going to jail over it. Uh, the company itself, the fundamentals were great, but there's a lot of concern over like, what does this mean to her reputation? Are all the housewives still going to like support her, even though she's in prison and want to buy her goods and serve and you know all the stuff she's selling?
0: I've, I've never looked at it, but I, I, I'd like to see like if the if their sales actually went up because of right, the, yeah. you know. Well, we'll think of like like all the Martha's, and I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time she had a deal with Kmart, which right? <laughs> yeah, too, but where you could go to Kmart and buy like Martha Stewart branded ice cream scoops and things. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, does your, does your willingness to buy a Martha a Stewart branded ice cream scoop change just because Martha went to jail for insider trading? Probably not. Well,
1: it could go both ways, right? Maybe the right. housewives, you know, <laughs> unite around. Yeah, like, together. I don't want to, really, I don't want to get set to an example against, uh, against, against our hero. idea
0: there. That we <laughs> <part>. <laughs> but value investing persists as a pattern, because that's a difficult thing for people to do on an individual level to say, Hey, I know that what's happening with this company is probably not going to affect their earnings in the long run and it will recover and become popular again and everything will be fine. Yep. And that takes some intestinal fortitude. Oh, yeah. that's, That's a barrier to entry. And so... While there's times when value stocks look better than growth stocks and vice versa, over time value persisting value persists as a investing idea because it is difficult
1: yeah, and I think the other thing too about that is that particular example, Dave is time is a big factor in that, right? Cause you'll have long periods of time where growth does better than value and vice versa. And so like it takes some fortitude to like stick with the fact that you know that this will eventually come back around. We've seen a lot of that in the past, you know, 10 years or so. These things even out over time. So, so we'll right. See. Mm-hmm. see, but
0: yeah. So those are the, the three main tests for, um, whether a pattern like that will persist doesn't have much to do with the calendar. You know, there's the old, uh, the old uh, Mark Twain quote about the stock market with September being the worst month to invest in the stock market, followed by all the others.
1: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) Maybe not taking Mark Twain's advice, but <laughs> um, what advice, Dave, would you give to someone who's a couple years out to retirement as it relates to these seasonal patterns or patterns in general? Like What's, what's the main takeaway?
0: The main takeaway is that these patterns, especially around like calendar events, are never going to be like a meaningful investment thesis. So what you need to do is create your investment plan, block out all the noise. And just stick with it. If you're yep. putting $500 a month in your 401k, I don't care if it's January or September, make that commitment. Because you're, you're over time, looking at this 10 years down the road, it's not going to matter whether the market was up or down in September. You're not going to remember.
1: I think of it in terms of, you know a lot of this is you know market timing and the beauty of having an investment plan and sticking to it is mm-hmm. you're never going to be wrong about the timing, but eventually you'll be right. Right, right, right. The the stop clock theory. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So today, Uh, exactly.
0: (laughs) But uh, actually, uh, you know, we say that tongue in cheek, but more often than not, you're going to be right if you just start consistent because we know over time the markets go up. Right. And the market is up two times more often than it's down, I think is about what it works out to be yeah like two days of three, the market will be positive, yeah. and you add those you take that two to one advantage over time,
1: and oh yeah, that, that don't worry about the day- to day yep, and then there's always that chart, and we maybe try to throw it in the show notes, but if you miss those you know three or four or five biggest days, then right. you, you you know your returns are basically nothing. <laughs> yeah. Over long periods of time. So that's, you know, the the downside of trying to play the game of, you know, the January effect or whatever yeah. the seasonal yeah. um, patterns are, so...
0: Hey, I'm not, I'm not against having a good Santa Claus rally here as we pull in. Yeah, around.
1: we love <laughs> rallies around here. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not, not uh, betting on them. <laughs> not uh, not going to bet on it. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Well, this was great. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate the time. As always, if our listeners have questions about this or any other seasonal patterns, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. Thanks, Dave.
0: Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.